your chuckles and a podcast for the curious. Here, Rob and Lloyd attempt to teach you something new every week and invariably <laughs> fall short. Over to you, gentlemen. Hi, Rob. Hello, my learned friend. Oh, thank you. I Compliment thought, to kick us off. I thought your high rub was sounding particularly scholarly. <laughs> oh, oh, I am wearing my tweed jacket today. So. <laughs> God, I wish that was true so bad. <laughs> Me too. Do you have a tweed jacket? Oh, I don't. It's a great regret of mine thus far in my life. Add it to the list for the Castles and Barstools tour on motorbikes. <sighs> we will have tweed, faux tweed leather protective jackets because safety is also important as well as looking cool you are turning this into quite possibly the perfect holiday i'm working on it welcome to episode seven of giggle mugs the podcast in the flesh except it's not we were gonna have a very special episode lloyd yeah we were i feel like we say that a lot it's a very special episode (laughs) psych yeah, we were going to have a guest, but then we didn't. And previously, it's because rival enemy of the podcast horror guys ghosted us. Previously, it's been their fault. This time, we just didn't do it. Yeah, and that's on us and... and 100%. Look, if you don't like it, you know what to do. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> right to the podcast, damn it. <laughs> and then go fuck yourselves. How are you this fine morning, Lloyd? And what doth thy drink? I am excellent this morning, Rob. I doth drink nothing. <laughs> You are letting the podcast down. It's not because it's pre 7 a.m. That means nothing. <laughs> it means nothing to me. It's because I have a travel arrangement that will take 24 hours of flying in a few days. Yeah. And I'm doing everything within my power to feel as healthy as possible, including not putting alcohol in my body this week. That is... Considering I put all of the alcohol in my body last weekend. Oh, yeah. Well, at a wedding. Yeah, I'm just going to say you had a wedding and you got a glass of scotch and it was a whole glass, not a tipple. And I <laughs> He guess filled that... it up. <laughs> Why did he do that? That's right. Well, I'll drink for the both of us then. That's uh, and the least I could do. What two drinks are you drinking? <laughs> well, oddly enough, Lloyd, tonight I have selected the Pirate Life Trans-Tasman and it's an IPA, but there's two eyes. So I'm drinking for two of us. It's a double IPA and it sounds like this. Oh, I and I. Yep, it's, and it's enough alcohol for two people as well. Hooray! <laughs> it's one of those. Yep, thanks, Jake. What does the first and or second I stand for? It's just a double IPA. It's like an I, I, India. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not an IIPA. It's a double IPA. That's the intent, yeah. So it's like an IPA, but it's extra strong and extra all of the characteristics Woo! that make up that, that beer. And, oh, damn, it's good and strong. Excellent. Anyway, I need to know a certain thing and you I, you've got it for me i bet you've got it i do off the top of my head um <laughs> i just i just i just know this between you and i rob on opposite ends of this blue planet Ooh, there are now eight million two hundred and seventy two thousand one hundred and twenty three point eight nine zeus's uh oh zeus is the guinness world record holder for largest dog in the world <laughs> i was like greek god that is a few episodes old <laughs> yeah zeus is 2.26 meters long what which is frightening is that snout snout to tail snout that's him standing on his hind legs um so i think that snout to tail would be quite similar if he was on all fours oh so it's like t- top of dog to feet on ground no oh yeah 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 on his hind legs yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah what yeah. kind of dog is zeus was is zeus? he is the greatest of danes Ah, oh, I love a good Great Dane. So he's bigger than any of them silly um, Tibetan Mastiffs. I think it's a height at shoulder world record because he is obviously quite skinny. I think he was, I only saw it in pounds, it was 155 pounds, which is probably what, like 70 kg? Uh, so there's yep. definitely heavier dogs. That's pretty heavy, but there's definitely heavier dogs. But he was like three and a half feet tall at the shoulder. Yeah. So I think he's like the tallest dog yeah, in the world. That's a big boy. Yeah. So how many Zeus's did we get? A little under 8.3 million. It's quite a lot of very large dogs. It's a significant amount of very large dogs. You are correct. You'd expect them to solve a lot of mysteries. <laughs> Can you do your Scooby-Doo impression for us? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it always cheers me it's up. the only reason I regularly bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> and would you like to explain to the folks uh, segue? So much. Hey, you don't have to call it's it's implied, Lloyd, that it's a segue. 
God. All the best segues are explicitly <laughs> stated. Everyone get ready now. It's segue time. Zeus is a great name for a very large dog. This week, Lloyd, I learned that in the early 15th century, Edward, the second Duke of York, wrote a list of over 1,000 names he considered suitable for dogs, including perlers such as Nosewise, Garlic with a K, Pretty Man, Gaylard, Norman, and Filthy. And you can't, you can't oh, see Edward. that and not be like, I have to see all the other thousands of names that Edward wrote down for dogs. That was my thought as well. Yes. So this next 20 minutes is going to be us reading dog names out. <laughs> it's not and true. Ye oldie English as well. <laughs> yeah, so oldie. So I saw this floating around the interwebs in its usual viral bullshit form, but I managed to do some straight up academic research to provide you with the facts forthwith. Oh, hell yeah. Which I had to quickly look up and check means immediately and without delay. Great. Which is ironic because by looking it up, I have delayed (laughs) the delivery. (laughs) And explaining it. Shut up, Lloyd. But we learn things forthwith. There it is. It's a real word. Post haste. Let's go. (laughs) Shut up, Rob. Hurry up. So in the usual manner, the actual thing that I read is not quite right and has been simplified for our teeny tiny brains such that the Edward... The Edward, the one that is actually the second, the second Edward of York, <laughs> wrote a list of dog names, very cute, blah, 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 here's a picture of a dog fully unrelated to the thing you just read. In fact, Lloyd, thanks to some genuine research that I didn't have to do because I read it on, I read it on Reddit, I guess that's why it's called that. Oh, blowing it wide open. This is wild. A guy called legendary underscore pro, thanks very much, did some proper research. The real origins of a list of doggo names from the 15th century are in fact much more obscure. Mm. Even better. Legendary Pro, sorry, Legendary underscore Pro's direction led me to a real academic paper, Lloyd. That's right. Real academic paper with an author and smart words in it. Entitled, The Names of All Manner of Hounds, a Unique Inventory in a 15th Century Manuscript. Written by some bloke called David Scott McNabb. I also read the same academic paper. I think that might be the only one. It certainly is. Unfortunately, to get, uh, did you have to do this? I had to sign up to another bullshit website that was like, ooh, you can read this, but only if you give us your email. Yes, and then I got an email <laughs> immediately afterwards that, that gave me a recommendation for 33 papers on academia that discuss archaeological dogs. <laughs> I was, I wrote down the spam that they sent me for titles of other related things. So it's like, we've downloaded this one paper on 15th century dog names. And then this website called academia.org, very legit, was like, oh, so you're interested in 15th century writings about dogs and hunting and rural life in England. I see. Would you like to read Rabbit Soup in Pre-Norman Britain, Hair Hunting and Edibility in Medieval Britain by Lee Ray. Poor title, because Britain was in the title twice. We got Dogs in the Identity, Formation, and Moral Teaching Offered in Some 15th Century Flemish Manuscript Miniatures by John B. Friedman. And this one, which sounds kind of cool, The Ways and Words of the Hunt. Notes on Sir Gawain, the Master of Game, Pearl, and St. Erkenwald by Ad Putter. That's amazing. Except... Like, notes on Sir Gawain, I think that's a person, the master of game, yep, that's his title, and then just comma, pearl, comma, and Saint Erkenwald? What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Now I'm genuinely interested! I have no idea. So he was a saint and could transform into a pearl? Didn't look into it. Good. I just wanted you Uh, to know. I assume you got similar (laughs) advertising from academia.org. No. Oh, you just got the one that was like, here's 33. Mine was all dogs. Nothing to do with Britain. The first one is the government of dogs. The government of dogs. I'm only looking at it for the first time now to join in with the conversation. I didn't get anything about Old Britannia or rabbit soup or hunting. Mine's all about the genomic and archaeological evidence suggesting dual origin of domestic dogs. Mine's all (laughs) like dog history. Hectic. No, I mean, worse things have happened. Yeah. Anyway, on with the show. So, lucky for us, David Scott McNabb appears to be a genuine academic, and he got to examine the original name. Sorry, (laughs) there is a hip-hop artist from the 90s called Genuine. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Your cousins were Genuine? 
he's a professional, genuine academic. All his studies <laughs> is genuine. What he was talking about in this pony song was not, in fact, a small horse. <laughs> <laughs> what was he talking about? Ah, uh, I'm pretty sure it's sexy times, Lloyd. Uh, That's enough. Anyway, genuine <laughs> so academic. David Scott McNabb is an academic on the 80, 80s, 90s hip-hop person. Genuine. Yeah. He also yeah. wrote a paper about dogs. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> he wrote this really detailed paper after he was able to examine the original manuscript before it was sold at auction in 2006, after which it appears to have disappeared into some private collection. So uh-huh. we're getting insight that we may not have had before, Lloyd. Well, that kind of explains why it's so hard to find actual right? information. It's privately earned. I Apart didn't know that. from this one person that was like, ooh, this seems like Robin Lloyd would like to read about it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of imagine anyone else a podcast <laughs> that'll happen in 20 years <laughs> that'll love this. Before it was sold into a private collection, the manuscript was in the library of Prince Richard, the Duke of Gloucester, at Kensington Palace. And he got it from his father, Prince Henry, also Duke of Gloucester, and he had it kept at York House in St. James's Palace. Sounds like rich places in England. And they bought it from some bloke at auction in 1946. And the previous history before that formally dates the paper to somewhere between 1460 and 1480. And it is believed that it was likely commissioned and or compiled, unsure, by the Dancy family of Brinsop Court, Hertfordshire. Hmm. So that was a bunch of places and people in england that are dead and no one cares about oh correct no, i summarized that better in the notes so rich people in england somewhere <laughs> yes good but that no one cares about <laughs> oh yeah yeah pretty much the og manuscript is a compilation of texts so it's not just like one book it's a bunch of different texts pertaining to and this is a quote sport and rural matters Ooh. varied but around a theme apparently there yeah. are 15 separate texts in the manuscript the first of these is a book on hunting called The Master of Game, which is in fact written by Edward II, Duke of York, which is likely where someone got to that point and was like, I guess he wrote all these dog names down also, and then made a post that attempted to go viral out of it. So... It took me a lot of words, but that's 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 how that's how we learned about this. But he didn't write it, right? In fact, the whole Master of Game isn't even original, right? It's a translation itself. Is it by uh, a French fella called Gaston <laughs> from the movie? <laughs> right, yeah, that guy. <laughs> he actually wrote it, and it was translated by, or at least partly translated by Edward. Cool. Okay, it in itself looks like a super interesting book and it was it was translated by him in the 15th century probably but it has been like modernized and published in the early 1900s oh cool so you can like buy copies of the master of game as a book and it has a foreword in it by our old mate teddy roosevelt oh about hunting and being in the wild and such very exciting yeah so his manuscript was in with these other manuscripts but there was also just this like list of dog names called the names of all manner of hounds and it's only found 1200 names yeah and it's only found in this manuscript that we only know about because this bloke saw it before it was auctioned and wrote a paper about it thank you mr mcnab yeah isn't that wild he's he really saw an opportunity yeah. Just before we dive into the the names of all manner of hounds, I would just like to tell you know some of the other great titles of works that were within the overall manuscript, along with the Master of Game and the names of all manner of hounds. Oh, fire them at me! We have the hierarchy of hawks, oh, which sounds so good, very cool, like great titling. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have a name, but there was a short description of how to choose a horse according to its color. Oh, okay. Uh, there was also some medicine for horses, which we know is just Guinness from way Guinness, back in season yep. one. A couple hundred years before Guinness, I think, though. So Potentially. Maybe they had created Guinness and they just weren't marketing it yet. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably it. We could market Guinness. All it takes is some free beer and some money. <laughs> <laughs> we could do this. There was a poem called Dietary, which contained advice on good health through moderation in poet form. Interesting choice of medium, but yeah. all right. Prince Edward's Book of Hawking. Good name. And a collection of manuals on forest law. Oh, I like that. In various languages. I like that a lot. To be honest, it sounds like a dope manuscript. I would enjoy reading it, I believe. I don't think you'd be able to. It's all in Old English, which... Ah, uh, you said they modernized it. No, no, they modernized... Someone's modernized The Master of Game, not the whole Oh, manuscript. they have modernized all of it. No, no, just, oh. just that book, because I don't know, it's a standalone thing, whatever. Um, the rest yeah, of it could... only exists in someone's private collection. 
Having looked at the names that he picked, I definitely don't think I could have read that ye olde English bullshit. I read, like, probably a few solid pages of the article, and it had clips from the text and, like, pictures of it as well. And I was like, (laughs) old English was bad (laughs) and difficult. It's a tough one. I like newy English. New-ish English. So, let us get to some doggo names. The description after the title on the names of all manner of hounds is just the names of all manner of houndus after the abc so genuinely like here are some names in alphabetical order and it was a lot oh oh. did you read through all of them all the names hell no yeah Um, i did did you really (laughs) yeah holy shit so it was like each letter would have the names of hounds and then the names of bratches which is old english for bitches (laughs) and then uh, apparently lower than hounds and bitches, the names of terriers. <laughs> so just worse dogs, I guess. <laughs> uh, I actually picked out a bunch of my favorites, which I assume you did as well. I did, and we should we should Tit for tat. go tradies. But let me just finish up the numbers, the stats and the figures and the history. So there were 668 names in alphabetical order, after which there was a section specifically for greyhounds, which contained a further 347 names. And then finally, at the end, some grey bitches which was an extra 50 names in no particular order, which I think was a total of 1,065 names, which we could use for our future dogs, Lloyd. Excellent. And apparently the manuscript was also picked up by someone in the 16th century, so like 100 years later, and they were like, this is a good list of names, and added six of their own. (laughs) (laughs) Such confidence. Yeah, like I I could add to this. Also, the names, the first letter of the names was in alphabetical order, but within each letter, they were not in alphabetical order. Oh, okay, yeah. I did not enjoy that. <laughs> did that did that mess with your OCD? <laughs> yeah. Sons of bitches. There are a lot of names, so let's let's just fire out a few. What, what do you got, Lloyd? First one was best of all. Yeah. Some of them were pretty like, just like, here is a straight up description of what I think about this dog. <laughs> it's a sentence. <laughs> yeah. Best of all, in the B's, well, let's go through the letters, maybe. In the B's, there was one called, it was spelt funny, but I'm pretty sure it was Bucket. <laughs> bucket the dog. Oh, it's so good. In B, my la- oh, I got two more B's. I had Blackbeard. Oh, ah, a strong name. That's a strong name. I had Bloodman. Yeah. Oh, good imagine being, Probably for a good bloodhound. Yeah, imagine being a hound called Bucket when your mate's called Bloodman. <laughs> These are my dogs, Blackbeard, Bloodman, and Bucket. <laughs> and best of all, best of all. Oh, uh, my last B was Brian. W- was that really in there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also spelt Brian. Oh, it's just kind of, Brian hasn't changed since the 15th century. It wasn't like B-Y-R-Y-Y-N-N-E. It was B-Y-R-Y-A-N. Uh, oddly, and uh, just you said Blackbeard. I just saw one. mine actually aren't in an alphabetical order after B because I just started picking random ones. Um, yeah, mine aren't either. I had to go down to get Blackbeard. There was one called Whitebeard also. Oh. I picked out my favorites and I put them in uh, silly names, badass names, and obvious names. Oh, you've categorized them. Only because I didn't want to do them in letters because I didn't want to read all of them. So Very impressive. I Thank you. So All right, well, why don't you, we'll start with badass and I see if I have any. So these are like, I feel like these are names uh, of those dogs, like like Dobermans with like straight up ears and serene yep. expressions. Like Hercules, which is Hercules. There's Romulus. Strong. There's Ranger. Great name. Stalker. Great name for a hunting dog. I included Whitebeard in badass names. Not quite yep. sure why, but I like this one. Musket. I feel like that's a good name for a dog. Oh, it's a really good name for a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Strong, was... reliable. Uh, and outdated. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> here's my dog. AK-47. <laughs> there was one there called Rage. The dog's name was Rage. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what that dog was like. Yeah. Still cool, because I feel like at least at some point during our lives, we've all thought about calling a German Shepherd Sergeant. Oh, really good. So that was there. I quite liked Monk as well. Great dog name. Yeah. And Conqueror. Ugh. Those are my God, like this... strong lead leading hound names. Yeah. I'm looking at my list and I think I just picked out funny ones. I don't have any, All right, well, any hit, badass hit, ones. Hit me with your funny ones. Mustard. <laughs> yep. Good. <laughs> Prophet. Prophet. Okay. Coke. Like, Spelt Coke. Like the drink. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Um, all one word. Have a good day. 
Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> like, um, what? What? Yeah. You've seen this dog and you've been like, like, are you telling the dog to have a good day? Or is it like, we're and all having... to say that all the time. Have a yeah. good day. Have a good day. <laughs> have a good day. Come back. I, I think that some of them are tongue-in-cheek. Like, I think have a good day is intended to be a tongue-in-cheek. Okay. Like, calling it out to your dog as you're on a walk. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I can see know. that. Helpless. Helpless. Nameless. <laughs> oh, devastating. Wench, I thought was a good one. Wench. Uh, my personal favorite, and my, the last one I'll give you, door. Do- like D-O-O-R. <laughs> yeah. Door. Perfect. <laughs> my silly names were Sturdy, which I assume is tongue-in-cheek for fat dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why I wrote this one down, but I think it's Clench. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Plodder. In brackets, I wrote next to that Reg, which is my dog, because sometimes he just, he plods. Single speed. He does plod, yeah. Uh, there was Lusty. Ooh. There was Harmless. There Cute. was Wretch. <laughs> Sinful. Good. Quarrel. There was one called Housewife. <laughs> Oops. Uh, Edward, Edward. Uh, after, Edward this. after Have Good Day, I found one that was Make Hit Good. <laughs> Make Hit Good. <laughs> And then there was Pretty Man and also Pretty Boy and also Boy by itself. Boy. Yeah. Good. I think I think he, he had like a hundred good names. Out and of I think, the thousand. I mean think Eric and I've written down close to a hundred. Yeah, and I think I think you've got uh, the good names. Oh, and right. I think some of them like boy, I think he was just like, Well, I've got to do more than a hundred. I guess just, it, like whack down some words. I guess it comes from the in those times you would have you'd have kennels. You'd have like a whole pack of hunting dogs or whatever. So you need a bunch of names. I guess you would. It's not like where we like, oh I have I have this one dog. I would love to have a kennel pack of dogs. I would like Maybe to I'll have 30, refer back to this. Yeah, I'd like to have thirty fluffy sausage dogs oh my god that's the cutest picture i can imagine it would be chaos <laughs> it would be utter chaos and then at the very end there were some like names that the paper called out as like here are some weird names and here's their like meaning from old english so there was catch a curse which is receiver of curses uh makes sense launch lunch fast which translates to vigorous leaper Ooh. i quite like this one shakeshaw which apparently is forest shaker Oh, is that, that sounds kind of like it could have been a native word. Shakeshaw. Maybe. Uh, Sibisman, which kind of translates to like kinsman or brother, which is cute. Oh, I like that one. (laughs) Actually, this next one's my favorite, and I'm going to call my next small adorable dog this. It's Spilpark, which apparently translates to park killer. (laughs) (laughs) This is my tiny sausage dog. He kills the park. Yeah, look at him strut. Mm. Plod. Oh, and Winbold, which seems kind of Welsh and apparently means pleasure pimp. <laughs> pleasure pimp. <laughs> yep. As you opposed must have to my, many puppies. As opposed to my regular old business pimp. Business pimp, yeah. This is a job. This is my nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be pimping, yo. That's a lot of dog names. Oh, there was a small terrier called Argument as well, which I can see. Yes. That's a good name for a small terrier. And somehow we've like chewed up all of the most of this segment's time talking about dog names. So I need to know if you have any offshoots immediately. I have offshoots. Hit me. Should I wrap it? The original writer of Master of Game was a fellow called Gaston the Third. He yep. was Livre de Chasse. Um, he his title was the Count of Foix, which no, I think sorry. is funny because it sounds like You can't like just Count say four. he was Livre de Chasse and then not explain that. I didn't have an explanation for it, so I moved on so <laughs> rapidly. Ah, sorry for bringing it up. He was the Count of Foix which I think is funny because it sounds like the count of four. Uh, just a little giggle I had to myself. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> One interesting fact about him is that he won a battle against his largest rival, the only person in France at the time who owned more land. I was going to say the only person in France. <laughs> there were two people in France at this point. <laughs> he captured basically their entire family at this battle and ransomed them for a sum of money that could be worth 600 million US dollars today. Wow. So it did all right for himself. Yeah, okay, great job, Gaston. And I have uh, a quick explanation on Edward II's tumultuous life. Oh my god, please. During the reign of Henry IV, he was stripped of some of his titles and temporarily locked up simply for being friends. Uh, Edward, uh, old mate Edward. Ah, second second Duke of of York. York, Mm -hmm. Simply for being friends with the previous king. Wow. He was then at some point given his titles. Stop, stop, stop. Stopping. This is the 15th century. There was a previous king that hadn't died or being executed he just retired no he was killed i think he may have been killed in battle 
Oh, oh, so he was just put in prison because when that guy was alive, they were friends. They were mates, yeah. Wow. And the new king, okay. I guess the, the, the reason is public feelings towards Edward had been pretty negative towards the end of his reign. So Henry the Fourth to win over the public was like, well, look at all his friends. I've locked them up. Ha ha. <laughs> Wait, so it was Edward, Duke of York, friends with King Edward. Yes. England. Maybe they uh, bonded over their name. Edward? <laughs> Edward. Edward. Ah, Edward. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Here's uh, my hound. Oh, I could, <laughs> didn't have any names on the end of my tongue. God damn it. Door. <laughs> Here is my door and my boy. Those are both dogs, Edward. <laughs> I know, Edward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the idea of him being insane. <laughs> Clinically insane. I'm going to write a book. It's going to be French. It's going to be about hunting. <laughs> At some point, he was just given his titles back and named Commander of North Wales. <laughs> so it was like it seemed like a fake lockup. Like you just go there, we'll, we'll it'll be comfortable. Also, just like for a minute, Commander of North Wales, fake position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of these. It seems like everyone who was associated with the royal family in the Middle Ages had like fifteen titles. Like you can't all yeah. be Duke of everything. Anyway, <laughs> just um, watch me. Edward, Duke of York, fucked that up so badly that he had to mortgage his lands to pay his troops. Wow. Then continued fucking up so badly that he made a deal to split North Wales into three kingdoms oh um, with a Welsh king, and then conspired to break out a relative of this Welsh king from Henry's dungeons. Ugh. So Henry's Henry's let him out and given yeah. him this fake job, yeah. and he's going to break out a prisoner, which he did, and then they were immediately caught. They even, didn't even make it to Wales. <laughs> He was arrested, so Edward was arrested and imprisoned <laughs> yeah. for 17 weeks, at which point it says that he, oh, what was the word? Basically, he said, come on, I said I'm sorry. And they let him go. <laughs> what? At which point he was given all of his titles back and returned to Wales as a military commander. <laughs> he must have been backing up the right tree, ruff ruff. <laughs> My last tidbit about him was that he is also a character in two plays by Shakespeare. As like a chaotic character that did not have his shit together. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I. But neither of the plays were like, were like his big ones. You know, Which, they may be big. I don't know. Richard the Second and Henry the Fifth. Wow, pretty large Shakespeare plays. Yeah. So he was in both of them. Yeah. Well, don't know what kind of person he was. Not he, him. No, he didn't act. In them. Yeah. <laughs> it was like in Mortgages Land, he needed a job, and Shakespeare was like, "All right, you can be yourself in these plays about other kings." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Can I bring my dog door? <laughs> <sighs> yes. That is. Did you say tumultuous at the beginning of that? I did. Yeah, that stuck through my mind all the while you were saying that. That is tumultuous. Yeah, and it just seems like jail was just like a slap on the wrist. And then at some... Like, I imagine he had like a bed and it was really comfy and he got yeah. food brought to him all the time. And then like King house, Henry was like, all like right, come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah, he probably yeah. did, Lloyd? He probably pled the clergy. In fact, in fact, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got a little bitch. brand on his thumb. When he was released from jail, and I imagine jail at the time was in London. And I don't think he would have been in the Tower of London because no, the Tower sorry. of London was like political prisoners, right? Like if you had life and were put to death, like really bad. Like the uh, <laughs> 5th of November guy. I don't know. Um, the guy that threatened or tried to blow up Parliament. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oliver Twist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not sure. Oliver Twist. It was, um, uh, yep, that one. Yeah, he was in the Tower of London. So this guy was at, like short stay in prison in London <laughs> somewhere, I imagine. Yeah. When he was released, his immediate title was as constable of the tower of london so imagine getting out of prison and then someone's like do you want to be warden at this other prison yes yes i have excellent experience with prisons having been in one for most of my life did you know i'm also the commander of north wales (laughs) where's that (laughs) that's incredible i didn't even think to look up this guy how did he find time to write a book walking, walking around I'm the commander of North Wales. Here's my dog, Wench. And everyone's like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Pulls out a scroll and unravels it. I have other names for dogs also. <laughs> yeah, some guy's like, this is my dog. Perfectly normal name. He goes, nonsense. You should call your dog Housewife. Pleasure, Pimp. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah, incredible. I would like to know, before we wrap up this segment on dogs and dog names, how you came about the name for your dog. My dog is named after Luna Lovegood from Harry Potter. And it, okay. we is did she not realize... L-U-N-A or Lunar? Like the L-U-N-A. Mm-hmm. We did not realize 
pun. We thought we were being really clever nope. and cool. It is the most common name for dogs on the face of the planet. Yeah, around the time that you got a dog, everyone else got a dog and was like, you know what? Luna. There's three Lunas in our building alone. Wow. And one of them is a black dog that looks just like our Luna. <laughs> that must be confusing. <laughs> what about Reginald? Uh, we named our doodle because when we signed up for Debrida, because he's a fancy boy. <laughs> so he's a registered pure breed. So we had to sign something that was like, we will get him snipped. We will not breed him because like that, you know, lineage is a breeder's kind of IP in a way. Sure. And the certificate you get had like, you know how like when you fill out your name on a test, it's got individual dashes or boxes for all the letters? Yeah. This had that. And there were so many lines, so many spaces <laughs> for letters. So me and M were just like, we went for a walk one day and we were like, what are we going to call this dog? There's so many letters. Like what do people call their dogs that require so many letters? So we were just joking around and we we're like, ah, oh, maybe like Sir Reginald Van Pompelmoose. And then it was like, ah, oh, most of that's trash, but Reginald's pretty good. I love that. And, and yeah, it suits him. It certainly does. Although he is more often referred to as Doofus, Rudel, Doodle, or any combination of other things that are not his actual name. Yeah, we very rarely call Luna Luna. <laughs> Doggo! Yep, that comes up. That's it. That's the the, the old manuscript. Wait. Oh, pirates! I remembered pirates. Give me pirates! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the golden age of piracy was a little after Edward's time. Ah. Uh, he was a pirate as well <laughs> he got around but i think i found a pirate who he may have crossed paths with in fact i'm pretty confident that they would have been in the same room a few times crossed paths or crossed swords <laughs> oh uh, definitely they were on the same team <laughs> okay good because this pirate wow i, I didn't write his name down <laughs> it literally says this pirate was it blackbeard it was a dog white. It, was it wasn't not. a pirate. <laughs> yeah, so I don't have his name. But this pirate was also who... The reason I think that he crossed paths with Edward is that he was mayor of Dartmouth and deputy to the Admiral of England okay. under Henry IV. Uh-huh. So he would have probably spent time around the palace and whatnot. <laughs> he was a privateer, which uh-huh. we've discussed, is basically a pirate with a letter from the king that says, you can be a pirate because we want you to kill the French. Well, the French or the Spanish, right? Anyone that is enemies right. of England, you can pirate. <laughs> right. But he was often accused, quote unquote, of taking it a bit too far. <laughs> Did he also just get a slap on the wrist? <laughs> there was no no punishment. He was never tried or, or or punished for being a pirate. It's just like everyone was like, yeah, we know he's a pirate, but he's also mayor of Dartmouth. So <laughs> that's, that's very My silly. favorite fact about him is that he married three women. The last one is listed as, quote, unquote, an idiot. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Pirates Imagine, pirates. like, she probably, she probably lived a fulfilling and happy life on the coast of England, her husband, mayor of Dartmouth, and all she's been reduced to is a first name, which I didn't write down, and being an idiot. <laughs> you wrote zero names down in this pirate fact. <laughs> no, not at all. No, I wrote Dartmouth. You could call that a name. <laughs> okay, that's a solid pirate fact and i i think i agree that yeah they probably crossed paths excellent congrats end of segment one yeah rob what really gets you started you know what really gets me started lloyd poorly written podcast segment intros oh my god really just grinds gets me don't even even don't get me don't even get me started don't even don't even don't Don't. that's right folks it's time for (laughs) the return of don't get me started this week. I will be getting... We call the segment Don't Get Me Started, and then the point of the segment is to get you started. I've just realized that it doesn't make a ton of sense. Does anything, Lloyd? No, that's true. Well, I will be getting Rob started, or attempting to get Rob started today. Is it called Don't Get Me Started? I think it's usually called Don't Get Lloyd Started or Don't Get Rob Started. Yeah, I guess that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, it's not yeah. like... I... Well, I guess the idea is that I'm here like, Don't Get Me Started, Lloyd. Not like, Come on, make me angry. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right, yep. fire away. You got, a, you got three attempts to, to rile me all the way up and down. Attempt one, because it happened to me yesterday. When you're <laughs> driving and there's heaps of traffic, uh, you're in a traffic jam. I'm already raging. And then all of a sudden it, it speeds up and it's just because there is like someone got pulled over and everyone <laughs> had to slow down and have a sticky beat. Yeah, I do hate that, but I've come to accept that it is maybe not just because everyone's been like, oh, look at that, you know? Well, it might be because the first person slowed down. Because of fluid dynamics, Lloyd. 
where something but happens. But if that first person the... didn't slow down, Rob. No, but they had to because there was an event, like a crash or a fender bender or someone's been pulled over, so you slow down, let the cops through, whatever. So someone slowed mm. down, and so everyone behind them does have to slow down. Doesn't mean it's not infuriating, but I think All it's right. not necessarily because people are like, ooh, which is what I thought for a long time. But maybe in my well, allow age, me to I'm pivot like slightly. Soft. No, no, you must carry on this path. I, I, no, I refuse. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I am also annoyed when I'm in traffic and I see the traffic is as a result of someone getting rear-ended. I am then furious with that person for ruining everyone's day by rear-ending someone. Like you couldn't just like not not do that. You're getting yourself angry, and I am having a great time currently. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Number two. It might be as a count of this. I've drunk one whole beer now, except there's half a beer left in the glass. <laughs> Can't wait for segment two. Number two, another driving one. Oh. I did some driving yesterday. <laughs> Congrats. When you're, it's it's not necessarily bumper to bumper traffic, but you might be on like a side road and there's a bit of traffic and you leave a okay. gap so that someone pulling out of, say, a shopping market, a shopping market? <laughs> uh, the oldie market. A shop, <laughs> a shop car park. You just let them in and yeah. they don't give you a little wave. Oh, yeah, that sucks. Like, zero acknowledgement? Just, like, didn't even look zero at you? Zero acknowledgement. No, nothing. Yeah, that sucks, balls. You gotta, you gotta, at least, like, even if you're not, if, if you're, like, if you got a grip steering wheel because you're bad at driving, you, you give a little look and you, like, raise the eyebrows. Do the old, yeah. or the nod, little nod. Little nod? Yeah. Nothing. Oh, did, scum of the earth. Did you run them off the road? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Straight descent into rage. <laughs> Was it? Wasn't there a, a Russell Crowe movie about that, where he gets <laughs> cut off and he goes on a murderous rampage? No, it's called Road Rage, I think. <laughs> and he like follows his mother and son home. Isn't that it's Gladiator? really? I think. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I haven't yeah. seen that. Oh, I've heard it's awful. Like it's it's worse than you think it sounds. That's what I've it's heard. It's worse than you think. Yeah, that sounds awful. Uh, yeah, no, that that's that sucks. I'm pretty pretty mad about that. Good. Especially that it happened to you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> My final one. Uh, Is it I, a dunk from downtown? No, I think it might be. a. Uh, we may have done it before. I couldn't remember. Oh, you left that one to last? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, here we are. Wanted to start hot. People who don't pick up after their dog. Yeah, like it, it's, it's a pretty shitty. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> it's a pretty shitty thing to do. It's also not difficult to pick up after your dog. No, not at all. Uh, I actually have a funny tidbit on that that I I saw and immediately sent to our mutual friend Travis. Hello, Travis. <laughs> on a someone's like ring ring doorbell camera. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, on their what? Their ring doorbell camera. That doesn't sound like the right combination of words to describe that. You mean ring the- is the brand? Oh, America. Yeah. Okay. This was in England, actually. God damn it. <laughs> They, they like answer it and it's, you may not have heard of him. It's Paddy the Baddy is a UFC fighter from Liverpool. Nope. He's got a thick Liverpool accent and he's like, me dog's just done a sloppy shit outside your house. <laughs> and the woman's like, is that Paddy the Baddy? He goes, yeah, yeah, it is. And he's like, I can't pick it up. I'm sorry. It's a really sloppy shit. And she goes, oh, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Wait, that's a real thing that happened? Yeah, yeah, he rang a doorbell to apologize because his dog had just diarrhea on the driveway. <laughs> That's pretty good. A sloppy shite. It's just funny the way he said it. <laughs> yeah. Liverpudlians. Look, I'm not that furious. I think I, I get full points for the second one, the little wave. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's pretty. But like, because it was in the middle, it was highs and lows, Lloyd. Highs and lows. Yeah, I didn't organize it very well. Nah. But I'll give myself a point. <laughs> I will give you one point. You will give yourself no points. I accept my one point and I reject your point. <laughs> you still got one point and now I've got one, you idiot. <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah. Look, you've done better, but good attempt. Good try. Thank you. Participation, Ribbon. Thank you for the patronizing <laughs> feedback that was not required. <laughs> that you went out of your way to deliver to me. What have you learned this week? My learning is about the three words, Winston is back. Great, and that's the end God, of the show. I haven't even told you guys the story. I'm giving myself chills. It's so good. Okay, interesting. Tell me more. I'm going to ask you, Robert, and our cherished listeners to <laughs> indulge me while what I do is essentially biograph Winston Churchill. You've got five minutes tops on Winston. I will accept witty interjections. But no interruptions. You can interrupt with, with wit because uh, mine is pretty straightforward. All right. Hit me I'll, I'll get through it. Winston <laughs> Churchill. You. We all know him. I was going to say, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Does that count as a witty interjection? I'm done. 
God damn it. I can't help. It. In 1911, he was the first admiral of the Navy and is credited for modernizing <laughs> the British Navy. What now, Robert? <laughs> Nothing. Carry on. Oh, well, I gave you a participation ribbon and I thought of Winston standing up there with a first ribbon and then you, like, four people <laughs> down with a participation ribbon for the position of admiral of the whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Commander of North Wales. <laughs> you only got participation for that. You got outdone by Edward the Idiot. <laughs> and his dog, Dor. Winston basically led the conversion from coal to oil and building big, powerful ships and okay. is credited with preparing their navy for World War One. Good job. He did some good stuff in World War One. He was also kind of scapegoated for his participation in the planning of Gallipoli, among a couple of other failures. It's not a witty interjection, but I'm genuinely interested. I didn't read into that. I wasn't, I guess, aware that he had been scapegoated. And, B, <laughs> two, do you think he was scapegoated or do you think he was partly to blame? Because I always thought it was... Um, mm-hmm. It's a little column A, a little column B. What was that guy? What was that other guy's name? The other old codger that just made all the wrong decisions? From, like, the safety of his boat. I don't remember. Uh, I looked it up at some point. Anyway. So, basically, as I will explain, as a politician, Churchill basically didn't have many friends in politics. He was not well-liked or well-trusted as a politician. Yeah. And this started, basically, when he was Sea Admiral. (laughs) He was definitely part of the planning process, but he was the one who was demoted and eventually left the Navy because of it. Later on, before World War II, there was some papers that came out that basically showed that he was no more to blame than anyone else involved in the planning, yeah, it's not but like he was he the only one punished. Yeah. After the war, the first war, he spent time in and out of office. Basically, like I said, he was not trusted. He was described as a guerrilla fighter who lacked discipline. So he was in and out of politics leading up to 1939, but mostly paid his way through life by writing. Became very, very popular among the British people. What did and he write? His opinions on the world. Okay. He wrote a semi-autobiographical account of the First World War because he, after he left the Navy, he joined the Army as an officer. So he was at the Western Front. Yeah, I read it that like he, he was kind of disgraced after Gallipoli lost the First Lord of Admiral, Admiralty mm-hmm. post and then went to the Western Front to fight. Yeah, it's a baller move. Yeah. It's a great way to win back the trust of, of people. Mm. So he wrote about, basically for like 10 years when... Hitler was rising to power, constantly wrote about Britain having to be strong and stand up and stop his rise to power and be like, you guys need to fucking do something about this. Mm. Right up until 1939, he wrote about the Luftwaffe a lot, being like, if you let them build an air force, it will be the downfall of the world. Mm. And around 1939, when the war was beginning, the public had basically accepted him as their spokesperson. And everyone in Britain was like, you guys need to let him back into office. Chamberlain, who was prime minister, was like, he can go fuck himself. There is no war. We're at peace. And then literally the day that Britain declared war on Germany after the invasion of Poland, that very same day, he was reappointed to his role as First Admiralty of the Sea. Is that I read it as First Lord of the Admiralty. Yeah, I think it's a couple different titles. Ah, classic England. Here are some titles, you guys. (laughs) That day, the message was sent out to the British fleet to an apparently electrified um, navy. And it all it said was... <laughs> they, they've all gone green. <laughs> they, all, they all died. Uh, electric, but oh, <laughs> either way. And all the, the note said was, Winston is back. Nice. So everyone was super excited to have him back. And I have a great quote here. God, it's a good quote, Rob. Hit me. In a sense, the whole of Churchill's previous career had been a preparation for wartime leadership. An intense patriot, a romantic believer in his country's greatness and its historic role in Europe, the empire, and the world... A devotee of action who thrived on challenge and crisis, a student, historian, and veteran of war, a statesman who was master of the arts of politics, despite or because of long political exile, a man of iron constitution, inexhaustible energy, and total concentration. He seemed to have been nursing all his faculties so that when the moment came, he could lavish them on the salvation of Britain and the values he believed Britain stood for in the world. Wow. Like it's goosebumps. a phenomenal quote. Goosebumps, but that person was also backing up a certain tree. If you know, what I mean. <laughs> he was a big Churchill fan for sure. <laughs> Huge Churchill fan. 
quick World War Two stuff. I don't. We that's been covered a lot, not just by yeah, us, was, but Churchill was, and World it War Two. It was Hitler, and then there was Churchill, and then it was a lot of fighting. Yeah. yeah. Basically, Chamberlain stepped down immediately. Churchill was elected to be prime minister, not because he was a politician, but it was widely accepted that he was the only person with the depth of commitment. I have a quote for you, based exactly upon this, if I may interject. Ooh, you certainly may. So yeah, what's his name? didn't last long as prime minister because there were some bad operations in Norway and everyone hated him. So Churchill steps in and apparently he wrote in his diary. I think he, he kept prodigious. Is that the right word? He kept a lot of diaries, which is a great source nice. of quotes. And he wrote, what's a good Churchill accent? We were fighting on the beaches. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> as I went to bed about three, I'm just going to do uh, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. <laughs> As I went to bed about 3 a.m., I was conscious of a profound sense of relief. At last, I had the authority to give directions over the whole scene. I felt as I was walking with destiny and that all my past life had been but a preparation for this hour and for this trial. God. Woo. You really do get the sense that, like, everything he did was just for this, like, five years. Yeah. Like, he was... It, it appears that he was the leader that was required at that time, despite... Mm -hmm. he, like, he certainly wasn't perfect. Nope. But, uh, uh, I have another quote from him ooh. about Hitler. <laughs> I'll try and do it in, in Churchill. Hitler's Germany is the enemy. <laughs> nothing should distract the entire British people from the task of effecting its defeat. I have nothing to offer you but blood, toil, sweat, and tears. So he was pretty deep into like this is going to be really shit but we have to do everything we can yeah i think i did read that also somewhere. he also some of his questionable decisions that prove his like willingness just to take action he bombed the french fleet did he he bombed the french fleet less than one month after convincing the french government to sign the anglo france alliance <laughs> basically because the nazis were approaching and he was like i'd rather bomb the french fleet than let the nazis have control of your yeah, naval yeah. power bit of foresight my last Churchill thing is that before the war was even over, so a year before the war ended, yep. the government was already clambering to remove him as prime minister because they were so they were like thinking the war's almost over and the last thing we fucking want is Churchill and prime minister during peacetime. <laughs> Which is like almost not not fair enough, but like I think by the end of the war he was he was almost he was pretty much done, right? Yeah. He yeah. was getting old. Oh, the other amazing thing he did I didn't know about. So World War One, right? The British and the Allies basically won because of their use of the tank being able yes. to like burst through the, the front lines. He, during his time with the Admiralty, had begun the process of initiating development and production of the tank. Oh. He was given a role, an administrative role, when he returned to Parliament. He wasn't in the cabinet, but it was like minister of ammunitions or something <laughs> and he oversaw the greatly improving the efficiency of building tanks and basically single-handedly made sure that tanks were on the front line during world war one damn pretty massive impact on the world our old winnie did a lot of, lot of good things <laughs> he did great job i have i have like half a bone to pick with your original learning go on you will hear nothing bad about sir winnie it appears that the story about the Winston is back telegram and its electrifying effect on the rank and file is just a store, just like it is this like a single source for it. There's no copy of the telegram or any of that stuff. It appears that Lord Mount Batten, who I have to assume is related to all the other rich people in the UK, they're all inbred. At some point in like the 70s, he either wrote or gave an address at some university in Switzerland, the University of Bern. And I'm going to read you this whole paragraph from this. And this, I think, is the original source for this story. Because I did, I read around a few, like, Reddit and message boards, people being like, hey, is this true? Like, I haven't found anything on it, blah, blah, blah. And I, I think it comes from here. So this is Lord Mountbatten, who was Admiral of the Fleet at some point, says, in September 1939, I had just been given command of a flotilla of eight of our newest, biggest, and K-class destroyers. Not going to do an accent. It's a long piece of writing. Okay. <laughs> My own ship was the Kelly. We were going to the Mediterranean and the ship was painted lovely light gray color of Mediterranean fleet. When war became obvious, I ordered a quick evolution to paint the ship the war color, dark gray. I was over the side on a stage wielding a paintbrush myself when my chief yeoman of signals came along and said, War, sir. War telegram. Commence hostilities against Germany. Which, that'd be like a big deal. Yeah. And he goes, my heart sank. 
I had been through it all once before. So I think he fought also in World War I. Mm. Uh, it was dreadful to think that we were at the very beginning of a second world war. Ten minutes later, the chief yeoman came back. He was waving a telegram saying, Telegram from the Admiralty, sir. Winston is back. Just that. Winston is back. It had an electric effect through the fleet. Everyone said, now we're going to go places. In due course, during the Norwegian campaign, when things were going badly, Chamberlain was replaced as Prime Minister by Churchill. This took place on the 10th of May, 1940. That evening, he wrote in his diary, that's the quote that I already read. So... His quote was, that's the quote I already read? Or the quote was... <laughs> the quote was read, the one that I read about, uh, as I went gotcha. to bed about 3am, I was conscious of a grandson, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, I so think, there is a chance that he played up to the crowd a little bit. I think a little bit. I think the telegram is probably real. Yeah. Even though no one has a copy of it. Like, that seems a stupid thing to make up. But I think it's possible that there were people in the Navy that were like, ooh, this is the guy that fucked up Gallipoli. I'm not sure we yeah. want him in charge. Well, at, actually, at that point, this was after the papers they were called papers i don't know if it was like a study or just documents released to the public was released that basically said like it wasn't churchill's fuck up so by 1939 almost the entire country adored him oh oh so that stuff was released not not long after world war yeah 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 there there might have been some higher ups in the navy that were like yeah i didn't but i imagine the rank and file were among people who adored him Uh, that's a lot of exciting and interesting things about Winston. I got carried away with my research. I thoroughly enjoyed all of it. It's super interesting. Have you seen the movie? With uh, the old Oldman? Guy. Yeah. Is it good? <laughs> the old guy. It's <laughs> phenomenal. It's really good. Oh, really? It's called he, Darkest Hour or something. The Darkest Hour, yeah. I wanted to see it, but I didn't. It discusses his unpopularity among British yeah. politicians quite well. Yeah, okay. That's good. The other thing about Winston during world war ii that made him so successful is he i read this and thought it was really interesting he insisted on having his influence reach like every corner of british empire and by that i mean he wanted everyone to know that if they made a mistake or if they fucked up or if they were lazy it would hit his desk and he'd know about it so he was adamant that people knew he was watching them and it like rallied people a lot yeah like that would help but also like he must not have slept much i reckon no i don't think he did at all god he must have been exhausted and he spent so much time underground just drinking whiskey and smoking Smoking cigars cigars and talking about war (laughs) yeah Yeah. i I guess he was not to say he was built for it he was not a fit person but he was his mental fortitude was the correct position for what was required at the time i technically don't have anything more on winston nor do i have any offshoots because i enjoyed just talking about Winston for so long. I was looking for tidbits, Lloyd. Oh, goody. And I was like, I'm not quite sure what to do because we talked about Churchill and World War II at length and we've just done it again. It's <laughs> so interesting. Yes, I know, I'm sorry. Lloyd. No, it's great. <laughs> I was into it. But somehow very early on in trying to look up the basis for your learning in inverted commas. How dare you. I know. I stumbled upon an article that was entitled the 10 most famous telegrams of all time. And so I have some other telegrams what were famous. I'm, I'm keen to hear your clickbait article. Hey! I've looked <laughs> what up a wonderful a... kind of day. <laughs> Fuck off. I looked up a paper earlier in this episode. No, that's true. I, I'll give you a pass on that. That's Thank good. Thank you. This is 100% a clickbait article, though. <laughs> I assume it's Just true. Just so we're all clear. <laughs> so, do you know, Lloyd, what a telegram is? Because I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what that is. this is, but I also don't know how to explain it. It's, it's, a yeah. mess. it's like a text message for old people. <laughs> I guess I, like, understand the principle, but again, you're right, I couldn't explain it to anyone. <laughs> I think originally it was wires between, I guess, places that weren't that far apart. And you would send a code through tapping on that thing that you see in old movies um, mm-hmm. and like symbols or, you know, Morse code. Certain coded things would correspond to letters and the person on the other end would write down the message on a telegram piece of paper and then run it over to who it was for. That developed into the same thing but via radio waves. Wow. Radio waves. <laughs> radio waves. It was a strong beer. <laughs> the same thing but via radio waves. So usually Morse code. So someone's there tippy-tapping on that little, like it makes a little electrical signal each time you boop it, and then it sends it via radio. Someone receives it, deciphers it, writes it down, and then provides this piece of paper that's called a telegram to whoever it's for. That's what a telegram is. Oh, cool. So we learned something to get learning and laughing together. Can I tangent your tangent for just one moment? Yes. In The Office, yes. another mutual love of ours, yes. there is a scene where yes. 
Jim and Pam allegedly learn Morse code to annoy Dwight. Yes. And it is one of my least favorite scenes. Least. Because what they're blinking and tapping is nonsense. They didn't learn Morse code. It would have been so easy to Morse code something It would have been like a little Easter egg. They should have put some, yeah. But it annoys me because it's just nonsense. That's upsetting. Anyway. Yeah, thanks for ruining that for me. Reverse that tangent. Continue on yours. (laughs) Shush now. Telegrams. We just learned what they are. Here are some famous ones that aren't Winston is back was on the list so that's cool good Oscar Wilde apparently sent the shortest telegram ever to his publisher to ask about his latest book sales and his telegram was a single question mark to which his, his publisher replied with a single exclamation mark well that's good news I hope maybe what if it was like you're a shit writer your book's doing terribly <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> yeah I am busy. Mark Twain, another famous writer person. Mark Twain was in the UK for a little bit and he sent the following telegram home to quell the clickbait style. Well, I guess at the time it wasn't clickbait. It was more like paperbait or (laughs) newsbait. Word of mouth bait. Bait. Mouth bait. We'll go with mouth Uh, bait. Okay. Gross. So there were mouth bait rumors about him. And so he sent the, I think after I read it, I was like, oh yeah, I know that. The quite famous telegram that just simply stated, the reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Rings bells. Yeah. Allegedly after JFK had just by the slimmest of margins beaten Captain Nixon to the presidency in 1960, he got a telegram from his Fajr that said, Dear Jack, don't buy one more vote than is necessary. I'll be damned if I'll pay for a landslide. (laughs) I like that a lot. I also think they were quite rich. Uh, Yes. Still are. Yep. Here's a sad one. Good. (laughs) It's from our old mates on the Titanic. The last telegram they sent was, we are sinking fast. Passengers. Ah! (laughs) Fuck off. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's sad, but also Lloyd is irreverent. Uh, apathy. Yeah. Sorry, I, I interrupted all, what it said. so dead. Don't worry about it. What did it actually say? It said, we are sinking fast. Passengers are being put into boats. Titanic. Oh, that is sad. Ominous. Kind of funny that it's signed from the Titanic, though. <laughs> Yours truly, the Titanic. I guess they didn't have, like, when you send a telegram, does it, like, pop up with who it's from? Yeah. Or do you yeah, have I to, like, true. sign off at the end? You'd have to sign everything. Like, well, then your, how would... Your telegram machine I'll... doesn't have contacts. But no one else signed off their telegrams. Maybe they just didn't say that because it's not important for... True. For the... Maybe they had direct lines. Ooh. Don't know how that would have worked. But nah. anyway. There was a journalist called Robert Benchley. He was sent to Venice for the first time from New York City in the 30s. First time for him. Not, not the first time anyone's been there. <laughs> <laughs> wow! It's a whole fucking city here. <laughs> Uh, and he worked for the New Yorker, and he sent a humorous telegram back to them after arriving that just said, "Streets full of water, please advise." <laughs> <laughs> oh, good! Which I thought I was like good. That. Surely a waste of telegram dollars, though. Like it must have cost. <laughs> I'm sure he's billing the the New Yorker. Yeah. When the first H bomb, hydrogen bomb, was dropped, which I assume is similar to like a sick rap album drop. <laughs> Uh, on a Pacific island somewhere in 1952. The occasion was marked by one of the rappers, I guess, called Edward Teller. He sent a telegram to a colleague that just said, It's a boy. Oh, which is a, a little dark, actually. I think a dark and a bit of weird way to announce, like, total island obliteration. <laughs> yeah. Oddly enough, the Soviet Union had their first test of a similar bomb some nine months later. Oh. Coincidence or something Did they else. have a telegram that said, it's a girl? Uh, it's probably like, uh, don't know any Russian. Come on. Privyet. What does that mean? That just means hello. <laughs> <laughs> Privyet. Vodka. Boom. <laughs> hello. We're drunk. Boom. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> America's like, what? <laughs> it's a boy. Idiots. <laughs> Spike Milligan. Remind me, is he movie director or something? Wow. English kind of like poet writer funny person gotcha i think i'm thinking of spike lee maybe (laughs) get out of here (laughs) (laughs) oh good it was real so you know how sometimes like very occasionally you will send a text message to your 
wife whilst in the house. Yes. Or maybe you guys do it regularly. For us, it's occasionally, and it's usually a picture of an adorable sleeping animal when one of us, if it, like, if you move or call out, they'll wake up and ruin it. So you have to send yep. a picture. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the incredible Spike Milligan, who I think is incredible, you appear to don't know who he is, uh, <laughs> did this to his wife via telegram. So somehow he managed to time it so it arrived and it said, I would like a boiled egg, two slices of toast and a cup of tea. Thank you very much, Spike. <laughs> and he was in the house when it arrived. So I don't, I don't know how he managed that, but great job. Wow. Yeah, good effort. That's it. I also was like, if we need time, I will look up some things about another famous Winnie. It's Winnie the Pooh. But we're, Yay. we're out of time. Oh, I, uh, Winnie the Pooh, um, we were in New York and didn't get time to go to the Met. But the Teddy original no pants. toys... Yep. Yeah. I remember him. I would love Sorry, to the original toys. The original toys are in the Met that oh, inspired really? the story. Yeah, I think it would be cool to go and see. According to the Winnie the Pooh facts that I read, the original toys, they were like a stuffed bear that, I've forgotten the person's name, their kid. Christopher Robin. That was the kid, right? Yeah. I think he was the kid who the dad wrote, wrote read stories to. All right, I'll open it up and check. Damn it. Yay, Pooh facts. A.A. <laughs> Mill. Mm. So his son... Christopher Robin is modeled after A.A. Milne's son. Gotcha, yeah. And uh, his kid had a stuffed bear that was named after a real bear that was in the London Zoo. And the Mm. real bear in the London Zoo was purchased by a Canadian soldier who was over there serving in World War I, purchased a bear as a pet for some weird reason, named it Winnie after his native Winnipeg in Canada. Uh, And then he had to go to the front, so he left the bear in the care of the London Zoo. And there it stayed, and A.A. A. Milne's kid liked the bear at the zoo and named his plush toy after the bear at the zoo, called it Winnie the Pooh, and thus the books, etc. Oh, cool. Why, why, why the Pooh? don't know if I've ever asked myself that question. You just Winnie the Pooh, you just accept it. But basically, like if I refer to you as Rob the Pooh... <laughs> uh, it's actually Rob the Pooh-ha. <laughs> Sorry, the Pooh. <laughs> Pooh. Pooh. Look... One of life's great mysteries. It will be. Look, if you know the reason why it's poo and why that's a thing, my God, tell us. My God, man. Send us a telegram. Oh, my God. If I received a telegram, that would be phenomenal. That would be phenomenal. It's like texting for, like, dead people, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> that's right. That's it. Episode seven, texting for dead people. <laughs> <laughs> Title done. Episode done, Lloyd. We finished. Pirates. Ah! I remember to do it. I will not forget to read it out. Yeah, congrats. You remember to do it because in our spreadsheet planner, I wrote, Lloyd, do the pirate things this time. It capital bold letters on every single episode. because I care about you. You do, and I appreciate it. Thank you. It's what I need in life. <laughs> Take that, Kim. So, in 2005, pirates fired on a cruise ship off the coast of Somalia oh. with rocket-propelled grenades. We're talking Somali pirates. Somali pirates. Yep. Uh, and attempted to board the ship, but were unsuccessful. The cruise ship just outran them, which I s- seemed shocking to me, but that's what the story <laughs> said. The ship called the authorities and were like, hey, just so you know, there's a bunch of pirates. They fired a fucking rocket at us. And in strolled the USS Winston Churchill. Really? They, it's an American class destroyer. They found <laughs> and captured 26 pirates, having fired only one warning shot. And that makes sense when I now list what is on the U.S. with S. Winston Churchill. Yep. Uh, it costs $1.8 billion to build. Wow. It is home to two 127mm cannons, two close-range 20mm guns, two 25mm machine guns, two Mark 141 anti-ship missile launchers, yep. two surface-to-air missile launchers, yep. one anti-ballistic missile launcher, one Tomahawk cruise missile launcher, five torpedo tubes, and 70 tons of Kevlar-coated splinter-protecting armor. And probably a bunch of hot dogs. Yeah. So many. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they had at least one RPG, Lloyd. That's true. They, oh, actually, no. there was... Sorry, they fired it already. <laughs> <laughs> they had an empty RPG. Oh, no! Who's the uh, captain but- now, bitch? <laughs> It was 26 armed pirates along with a cache of automatic weapons, but they fired one warning shot, I imagine, from one of the 127mm cannons, and yeah. the pirates like, you know what? Don't think we've got this one in the bag, gents. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon we might just let this happen. Let's roll with these I just, punches. <laughs> I imagine them, they like fire their rock-propelled grenade, the ship gets away, and like, ah, oh, bugger, oh well. They're cruising around, having a drink, having a laugh, and then over the horizon comes a bloody <laughs> US destroyer, yeah. huge cannon blows up a massive like spout of water and they just go they get in a little huddle like do you think we should what do you reckon what do you reckon we should do here guys (laughs) i'm proud that you didn't 
even think about attempting a Somali accent. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> Didn't even cross my mind. Good. Yeah. It's not ye oldie pirate fact. It, it's an excellent know. link because it's literally called the USS Winston Churchill. Yeah. That's very good, but it's not ye oldie pirates and boats. So I'm going to give you a In my... Actually, before I say this, I'm going to go to our drive and make sure that that's not what you wrote. But in my defense, I don't believe that your bold writing to remind me pirate facts says ye oldie pirate facts. I mean, I do, believe I, do I have to do literally fucking everything, Lloyd? And confirming right now, <laughs> all you say is pirate stuff. I nailed it. That is pirate stuff. Yeah, but when you promised the listeners that you would be doing this, you didn't say, Rob said just pirate stuff. <laughs> you made a deep down promise to do ye olde ships and pirate stuff. So now, I, now I Lloyd. Think I, spe- I think I'm I specifically take- said did. old wooden ships. I'm taking the half point and I'm throwing it straight in the bin. You get nothing because you, you backchatted me, son. I'm going to backchat you for the rest of my life, dad. <laughs> okay. Thanks for joining us on Gigamogs episode 7. Whether there's an episode 8 or not is uh, <laughs> up in the air. It depends on whether Lloyd goes to his room or not. <laughs> and takes the bins out and does the dishes like the good boy that Little he is. boy I am. Uh, and exciting news, Rob. Our next episode, if we want to announce it now or save it as a surprise, you feels can like it. Feels like we're doing it. We'll be together. For the first time ever, Giggle Mugs will be in the same hemisphere, same continent, same country, same city, same house. Same breathing space. It will be wild. I've had... You made it sound like we haven't seen each other before. Like this is a blind date kind of... (laughs) Yeah. We met each other on Gumtree looking for strong male podcast host. Oh, thanks. Or is that me looking for you? Either way, I think we're both strong male podcast hosts. Damn. Yes, I will be in Australia next week. Yeah, it's going to be very excited. It's going to be banging. It'll probably be. I think we're going to bring you because we're going to be busy doing things like riding motorbikes and go karting and eating and drinking. Uh, we're going Woo-hoo! to bring you the live and uncut versions of the next episode, and if you're lucky, two. Ooh, this is the first I'm hearing about live and uncut. It oh, might be a little drunken. Must be a thought that I had that I just didn't write down anywhere <laughs> on the planet. It's an excellent thought. I'm definitely down for it. Well, I don't feel like editing it, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, if you want some chaos, tune into that, and until then, here are the automatic voices. <laughs> Cheerio. No, you don't say that anymore. I get to say it twice. Stop it! Thank you so much for listening. Send your complaints and any questions you have for Sean to gigglemugspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at gigglemugspod. So drop us a follow and interact with us there. And if you want to listen to the whole back catalogue, including the previous Unintelligent Chat Show episodes, you can find us on all good streaming platforms where podcasts be. We would appreciate if you could uh, you know, share us around and leave us a review. That would help us out. And cheerio. Cheerio. I didn't like that. And cheerio. I hated that too. Maybe I just don't like the way I sound. <laughs> There's got to be something good in there.